0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. For that, I, I just had it in my heart to share with you tonight about it's time to stand. It's time to take a stand. We know that there's a lot that's going on in the world today and we know that there's many challenges that a lot of people are facing. We're living in unprecedented times and we know that there's uh, things happening in our society that we've never experienced before. For example, just uh, got word that the Big 10 network is no Big 10 is never going going to play football this this fall. The Pac-12 they decided to follow suit. And just things like this taking on that things are unprecedented since 18 I think 69 it was that they, this has never happened. But um There's a lot taking place behind the scenes, and we believe that our warfare is not with people. Our warfare is with the spiritual forces of darkness that are behind everything we know that's taking place and that's going on. As a matter of fact, many have prophesied uh, in times gone by about times like this that would take place. I know David Wilkerson did. I know Brother Kenneth Hagin did, and some others did as well. But the thing is, we're living in the middle of it. And you know what? Greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world. And we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. And these are not just empty words. They're not just scriptures that we quote. These are realities that we believe. If you recall the story of Elijah standing before the prophets of Baal, then you remember as he stood before the prophets and the people of God, he posed to them a question. How long will you halt between two opinions? And they moved them, he moved them to make a decision. What are you going to do? If Baal be God, then serve Baal. But if the Lord be God, then serve him. Well, the question is, how are you going to determine who God is? And of course, Elijah had this brainstorm. And he said, look, why don't we just let the God who answers by fire be God. And when that happens, that's who will serve. And of course, he challenged them to pray to Baal and see if they could possibly somehow wake him up to get him to send fire down to burn up and consume the sacrifice that they had presented to him. And if you know the story, he kind of played sport with them and made fun of them. And when Baal wasn't answering by fire, He said, you know, maybe he's sleeping or maybe he's taking a walk or maybe he's doing this or maybe he's doing that. And as hard as they tried, they could not get him to muster up any kind of fire. Then Elijah the prophet made a decision that he would build his altar before the Lord, get his sacrifice before the Lord and pour water all over it. Even fill up the trench underneath it and around it with water so that there wouldn't be any foul play as far as they were concerned. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And when he called upon the name of the Lord, Jehovah God answered by fire. And the fire of God fell, not only burned up the sacrifice, but licked up all the water that was there. Of course, Baal's prophets were defeated and destroyed. The people then made a decision to get on fire for God. Once again, revival broke out and took place. And as a result, of course, things changed among the people. Well, notice it was a supernatural work of God that it took in order for things to get turned around among the people. Well, I believe we're living in the same time right now. I believe what is necessary and what is needed is the fire of God to fall even today. Well, how does that happen? Well, we could want revival. We could want the fire of God to fall. But it doesn't just happen because we want it to happen. It happens because people like Elijah make a decision to appeal to heaven and look to God to pour out his spirit, manifest his glory, and let the fire fall. In other words, there has to be a yearning desire. If you go back into church history, you'll find out in church history, every revival that took place took place in response to someone who desired it. Someone who got in his or her face before God and lifted up their hearts to heaven and took a hold of God's word and just said, this is what you promised. This is what you said. This is our desire. And this is what we want. This is what we're looking for. We don't want things. We want you. Thank God for healing, but we want the healer. Thank God for salvation. We want the savior. We want the Holy Ghost and fire. We want the power of God to be on display like never before in this generation. And you know what? We've been talking about the end times in the last couple meetings, but let's know this. I really believe before Jesus comes again, he's coming for a church without spot and without blemish, a glorious church. That means a church filled with glory. There needs to be and there will be a mighty move of the Spirit of God among the people whose hearts are hungry for it. And so if we want him to respond with fire, it's up to us to take our stand, to take our place and do our part, to be the church at large, a warring church, a believing church, a faith-filled church, a spirit-filled church, a church that knows authority, understands its rights and privileges, And refuses to back down to any force of darkness trying to destroy the work of God. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verse 10 and 11, let's see what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the economy. Uh, Be strong politically. Be strong with military force and power. Be strong intellectually. No, be strong in The Lord and in the power, the dunamis, the miracle working power of His might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. The word able means sufficient in resources, power, and strength. To do what? Able to do what, Lord? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice to stand. Able to stand. How are we able to stand? We're able to stand by putting on the whole armor of God. Clothing ourselves with God's armor. If you recall the story of Saul and David, when David went to go before Goliath and Saul said, here, here's my armor, you wear it. And what did David say? I've not tried that. Nope. No, no, I've not proven that. I'm not going to do that. You see, that wouldn't work for me. It may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. But you know what? God has extended to us the privilege of clothing ourselves with his armor. So that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. So in other words, the only greater force that there is to stand against all the evil forces of darkness is the power of God. The weaponry of God. All that God has provided for us. So we want to talk a little bit about the stand. And number one, how are we to stand? Well, number one, scripturally. Look in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 13 and 14. We stand with God. And we stand against the enemy. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all, notice all, to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. But notice your loins girt about with truth means this is the belt that holds all the other armor in place. Scripturally, when Jesus stood before the devil in the mount of uh, Where he was tempted and out of temptation. What are we told? What did he use? He took the word. He used the word as a sharp two-edged sword. He defeated the devil right there in that state that he was in after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. He stood against the enemy. He stood with the word of God. So our stand is a scriptural stand. What does that mean? In order for us to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, we need to be equipped with the word of God. We need to know the truth that liberates, delivers, and sets free. We need to understand salvation comes by grace through faith. We need to understand that the name of Jesus is above every other name. We need to know our redemptive rights in Christ Jesus and that we're new creations and masterpieces before God. We need to know who we are in him and what he has made us to be so that he can conform us to his image, so that we can take a strong stand for God and a stand against the enemy. Also, we're to stand prayerfully. Look in the book of Acts in chapter 4. If you recall this story, Peter and John went to the temple about the hour of prayer. And of course, the man who was lame at the gate of the temple called Beautiful was asking alms. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And, of course, he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. He was walking, leaping, and praising God in the temple where everybody knew him. Well, you would think everybody would be excited. Well, they weren't excited. Many were, but many weren't. The leaders in particular were not excited. As a matter of fact, they took him aside, and what did they do? Persecuted them, threatened them. Well, when they were threatened, Of course, and we know the opposition is not just people, those religious leaders. They were being led by influences, religious spirits that were behind the scenes. Well, when that happened, what did they do? They stood in prayer, prayerfully. And they prayed a prayer. And beloved, look at this prayer. When they got done praying at the very end, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Beloved, I'm looking for us to get back together. And when we get together, the place shakes where we are gathered. They were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness or boldly. So what they prayed was, Lord, you see the threats. Grant unto us, your servants, that signs and wonders be wrought by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. Because we know the value of signs and we know the value of wonders. Can you imagine in the days of July uh, of Elijah, once again, when the fire came down, you talk about a sign, you talk about a wonder that took place. You see, it took supernatural power to really penetrate the souls of people and to change the way they think. And the same is true today. So we can stand scripturally, we can stand prayerfully, but then also we can stand courageously. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, if you would. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Courage is the quality or spirit of mine and mine to face danger without fear. And when God told Joshua, Look, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. What was he saying? You're going to face some fears, you're going to face some opposition. You're going to face some mountains. You're going to face some challenges and some difficulties in your life. But you know what? Be courageous. Be strong. Well, how can I be strong, Lord, with all this opposition? I will be with you. I will go before you. I will stand with you. I won't leave you. And I will not forsake you in any way. What's he saying? Be conscious of my presence. Be conscious of who I am. Be conscious of my power. And you realize, if God's on our side, who can be against us? So in other words, our stand is a scriptural stand. We know what the word of God says. It's a prayerful stand where we invite others to join together with us in prayer, believing prayer that changes things, believing God to pour out his spirit, to manifest his glory, to fulfill a promise, whatever he spoke. But then we do so with courage. We don't cower back in fear. But we walk in faith. Secondly, where do we stand? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter five and verse thirty-one, here is a wonderful place for us to stand. But it's for thee. Stand here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Moses was told. You want to stand? Stand by me. What a stand that we can take. You know, many people stand for many different things in this world in which we live. And I mean, they really take a stand. I was thinking about this when I was talking in the book of Revelation about the end times and what's going to take place when the vials are open. And we can see in Revelation that one third of all the animal life in the sea will will die when one is open. But then another one, it's going to, Destroy the rest. So in other words, all animal life, all sea life will die. In a heartbeat. As a judgment, as wrath and vengeance. And don't get me wrong. I understand that we thank God for all these creations and his creatures. But you know what? People take a stand and they want to save the whales. They want to save all these creatures. I admire that. But we don't want to save the babies. Take a stand. A stand that really means something, that really matters. It's important that we stand for the right thing and not the wrong thing. It's important that we place in the highest priority those things that are meaningful to God. Not what we want. Not that makes something that makes life easier for us, but what God wants. And you know what? It might hurt. To do what God wants us to do. But the point is, we belong to him now. So take a stand. Stand by his side. Do exactly what he told Moses. Stand by me. And can you imagine if he's standing by you and you're standing by him? Who can defeat you? Who can come against you? Take a stand. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a stand and said, we will not bow. We will not bend. And we will not burn. It would have been easy for them just to say, "Okay, you know, we'll bow to your image today and we'll worship your image today because God will forgive us tomorrow." No, no. He said, "Look, do what you want with us. We will not compromise our stand or our position. We want to see fire fall. <laughs> when you talk like that, well, look at the fire didn't fall." Actually, they were protected from the fire. Who fell was the son of God in the burning fire furnace with them and delivered them from the flames and from the fire. So when you're standing by his side and when you make a decision that you're going to walk with him, praise God. Look what he does, how he comes through. Also, standing in the gap. Look at the book of Ezekiel. Where do we stand? By the side of God. Where do we stand? In the gap. And we make up the hedge. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. But I should not destroy it, but I found none. So he had to bring judgment upon it. Notice to stand in the gap. No matter what that gap might be. Separation of church and state, stand in the gap. Put one hand on God, one hand on the government and say, I'm here right now. Father, do something about this mentality. When it comes to, uh, let's say, forgetting the promises of God or someone who's not walking with God and not fulfilling the will of God. One hand on God, one hand on the other. I'm standing in the gap. When it comes to a lost person, maybe in your family or in your community or maybe where you work one hand on God and one hand on the person. Father, use me as your conduit. Manifest yourself through my life. I'm going to give myself to you to be a person who stands in the gap and makes up the hedge. Do we want fire to fall? We need people around here, in our assembly of believers, in our communities round about us, our churches as well, banding themselves together, standing in the gap, making up the hedge and saying enough is enough. We've been spoiled in this country long enough. We've experienced life on earth like other countries have never experienced. And thank God for that. We enjoy all that. But sometimes in the midst of all that, what happens? We kind of lose sight of some things. Look at just not being able to meet in church. Having that taken away from us is not good. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Thank God we can do it by live streaming. But it's a whole lot better when we can get together See each other face to face, pray with each other, lay hands on each other, do the things that we've been told to do and taught to do in the word of God, anointing with all in the name of the Lord. So miracles, signs, wonders can take place. I'm not limiting God. There's no distance with God. And you don't even need to lay your hand on the screen of your computer, your phone, or whatever. You know what? All you've got to do is lift your hand in heaven. And I believe there can be a transmission of power and glory that will touch your heart and touch your life. But God put us together for a reason. To come together, to join forces together, to bring our gifts, our talents, and abilities together. Why? So that he can manifest himself in even a greater and more powerful way. So, we stand by God. We stand in the gap. Why? To promote his will. To promote his work. And then thirdly. We stand publicly. In the book of uh, Luke's gospel. Chapter 4. Jesus just got baptized. He was tempted in the wilderness. He heard the voice from heaven saying. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. And then he began to set himself. To do his public ministry. And here's what happens. In Luke's gospel chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up. And as his custom was. He went into the synagogue. Where did he go? In a public place. In the synagogue. On what day? The Sabbath day when everybody's in the synagogue. And what did he do? He stood up to read. And he held back nothing. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Bold statement. This is what Isaiah Was talking about. And this is who. Isaiah was talking about. Years ago. Why is he upon me? Because he hath anointed me. To preach the gospel. Or good news. To the poor. He has sent me to heal. The brokenhearted, To preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty the bruised. Them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year. Of the Lord. Notice he stopped right there. But Isaiah's prophecy doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, besides the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Well, why didn't he include that last phrase? Because he didn't come for vengeance. It wasn't time for vengeance. He came to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to bring wholeness. He came to redeem us. He came to save the lost. That wasn't part of his mission or his program on earth. He came to defeat the devil. In the last seven years, Daniel's 70th week is when the vengeance of God will be poured out and that will be the day of the vengeance of our God. But this was his mission right here. Where do we stand? Publicly. What do we declare? Everything. What did he do? He declared everything before them. He held nothing back and we're to be the same way. What's our venue? Do we go to where? The church building? We can do it there. Where do we go? To work wherever we go. What are we to do? Take a stand for God. And let people know our convictions in a loving way. Speak the truth in love and grow up into Christ in all things. Number three, why do we stand? Well, number one, because of the opposition that's arranged against us. Look again, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Why do we stand? Because we're in a wrestling match. Not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Notice all this. You see, our enemy is not people. Our enemy is not the politician. Our enemy is not our neighbor. It's not a human being. We have these forces of darkness ranged against us. And this basically outlines for us part of the operation of the kingdom of darkness. Spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, Trying to rule and reign over human lives. Trying to rule and reign over cities. We see this in the book of Daniel. When Daniel prayed and sought the Lord. Humbling himself before God. To find out and understand what the future would hold. For him and for his people. And what happened? Gabriel came. He was sent. In other words for his words. The moment he prayed. But he was delayed by the prince of Persia for 21 days. For three weeks. What did Daniel do? Held fast his confession of faith. What did he do? Proclaim the truth. Believe that God was on his side and that God was going to answer him. Or he wouldn't have been in that posture for 21 days. He believed in it. He believed in humbling himself with fasting and prayer, would penetrate heaven and get a result. 21 days later, Gabriel comes and just says, Whew. You know, Mike came and relieved me. Michael the archangel came to relieve me. You know, Prince of Persia stopped me. I came the first day you prayed just to answer your prayer. But there was a warfare taking place up there, and I got relieved, and here I am, and here's the answer, and gave him some prophecy about the future. Well, beloved, praise God, our God's the same yesterday, today, forever, and always, and he's always endeavoring to get to us the things that we need to understand and know so that we can succeed in rising up above the challenges that we face in this life. There's opposition, and whatever that opposition may be, praise God, we have to know this. We operate from the position of a victor, not a victim. And thank God we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are the overcoming ones. For all of you out there that might be listening. That you were challenged with COVID-19 like I was. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. His spirit is quickening our mortal bodies. By the stripes of Jesus we were healed. We take a stand praise God with our God by his side. And if he be for us, who can be against us? We join forces together in Jesus' name, in unity, in harmony, in love. Because if one can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. United we stand against all the forces of evil. So there's something behind the scenes we need to be aware of. And it's time for us to rise up and be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might, And all that we've learned. Is not just so that we know it intellectually up here. But it's for us to apply. To our lives. I know it's easier said. Than done. Which is why we encourage one another. To stand together. Be strong in the Lord. It's not a time to quit. It's a time to stand strong. And fight the good fight of faith. And lay hold of what belongs to us. In Christ. Amen. Also. Because not many are standing. Number two. Look in the book of Ezekiel. 13 verse 5. You have not gone up into the gaps. Neither made up the hedge. For the house of Israel. To stand in the battle. In the day of the Lord. They didn't do it. It's easy not to do. See, God wants us to recognize somebody's got to take up a stand. Stand in the gap. Make up the hedge. They were not doing it. Why do we need to do it? Because that's the only way the job's going to get done. If we want fire to fall, then we've got to take a stand and say, I'm tired of mediocrity. I'm tired of entertainment enough is enough I'm tired of the challenges that are coming against us as a church as a people as a nation and rather than talk about it and rather than complain about it let the Lord know I'm standing by your side I'm standing in the gap I am making up the hedge I've got one hand on you And one hand on this nation, or I've got one hand on you, and one hand on this unsaved person, or whatever it might be, I am taking my stand to believe, praise God, for you to honor your word and make it good. So there are not many that are doing it, and so we need to band together and do it. Why? Because we all want the same thing. We want the glory to fall. We want this entire region around about us to see the glory of God, to affect change in the hearts and lives of people to bring them out of religious tradition and the darkness of spiritual death and the doctrines of devils that's what we want and the only way to have it let the fire fall lord as in the days of elijah number three because it's the right thing to do look in the book of acts chapter four why why do we stand if you recall the story once again peter and john were brought into question Because of what miracle that took place in this man's life. They were proclaiming the power of the name of Jesus. And not just teaching it, but demonstrating that power as it healed the man. Well, these religious leaders weren't happy about that. Just like in our society today, we get mocked, laughed at for what we believe. But you know what? Someday, I'm sorry to say that they're going to be sorry that they said those things. But here, notice what it says. But that it spread no further among the people that I straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Why? Because that name's so powerful. Let's threaten them. Let's, let's get them full of fear. That if they ever preach that name again and teach that name again, we're going to kill them. And they called them and commanded them not to speak or at all or teach. In the name of Jesus. I'm sure they thought right at that point. When they threatened them and said. If you preach or teach about that name ever again. We are going to have you killed. And they probably expected Peter and John. To back down and cower in fear. And just say. Oh whoa, Well we don't want that. But what did Peter say? Peter and John answered and said to them. Whether it be right. We said. Why do we stand? Because it's right. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than to God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. (laughs) Why do we stand? Because we have opposition. Why do we stand? Because not many are doing it. Why do we stand? Because it's the right thing to do. It's right to take a stand against abortion in a proper way. It's right to take a stand against immorality. It's right to take a stand against a lot of things that dishonor God. Matter of fact, we're told to abhor uh, abhor evil and cleave to that which is good. So we're taking a stand. And then what to stand for? Look at number one, righteousness. Take a stand for righteousness. Something that's really missing in our society. You know why? Because people think that the right thing to do is whatever they want to do. It's almost like anarchy. It's almost like whatever feels good, you do that. They don't want to be controlled by anyone. No rules, no guidelines, no directions, or anything of that nature. No, whatever is right for them is right. As a matter of fact, people are up in arms more than ever before against God's word. Why? Because God's word speaks out against a lot of the things that have been going on in our society, whether it's marriage, whether it's Homosexuality, whatever it is, family, family life, and how they redefined it and all that. But God's word speaks out against some of those things, and as a result, of course, people get up in arms. Well, you know, we, we're not the ones who establish what is right and what is wrong. As a matter of fact, if God would have written in his word these things are righteous, then we would promote those things from the pulpit. But they're not righteous. And so it's up to us as believers to stand for what Is right and righteousness. Look at Matthew 5, verse 20, goes even beyond the law. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, notice this you shall not, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Pretty strong and bold statement by Jesus. So, in other words, if you think you have a degree of righteousness based on your keeping of the law, which you can't keep anyhow, you're going to be lost. Because you see, you need a righteousness that goes beyond the law. You need a righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. And if they detest themselves from that, they're going to be lost. Well, it's not just for salvation. It's for lifestyle, our character, everything that pertains to our lives. God wants us to stand For what is right. Stand for righteousness. And then secondly. He wants us to stand for truth. If you recall the story. When Jesus was before Pilate. And he he told Pilate. He came to bring the truth. And Pilate said. Well what is the truth? He didn't give Jesus the chance to answer. But in John 17. 17. We have the answer. Jesus was a carrier. Of the truth. Jesus was a truth personified. When Jesus came to the earth, he brought ultimate truth into our society among his own people and among all the people groups of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know, we've been asked to compromise God's word. I don't believe in doing that. God wants us to be students of the word, to stand by the word, And let the truth of God's word prevail in our hearts and in our lives. He wants us to conduct ourselves in such a way so as to honor the truth. He actually sent his Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. Who speaks to us what he hears of the Father and shows us things to come. So we have a travel guide who will help us through life understand what is truth. And so we're to take a stand for the truth. And finally, number three, holiness. Look in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You know, these are three powerful words, righteousness, truth, and holiness. We are told in scripture, we've been saved, of course, by the blood of Jesus, but he goes on to say, so be holy. Why? Because I am holy holy. That's his character. We serve a holy God. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. And he wants to have expression through our lives in the earth. He wants us to take a stand for what is righteous, to th- take a stand for what is truth, and take a stand for what is holy. Holy, holy, Lord, Lord God Almighty. There in heaven, we know that these beings are before the throne of God by day and night. They're crying out, holy, holy, holy. Whoever wonder why? There's something about the holiness of God that drives a person to their needs. When one sees and experiences the holiness of God, it is life transforming and life changing. It impacts the life of a person. And you know, if it were not for the Holy Ghost on the inside of us and the life of God inside of us, we would shrink from that place of God's presence. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, if you got near the presence of God, you died. That's how holy he is. We know that sin cannot be in his presence. The very fact that we've been invited to the throne, the very fact that we've been asked to enter into his presence seek his face and ask to come boldly before the throne means that God did a work in us that really cleansed us and made us holy. Thank God, holiness is not based on our performance. It's not based on who we are. It's not based on what we've done. But praise God, we could take a stand for holiness because of who he made us. We are his son's and daughters. We are holy in his sight. He sees us as holy. Now, our job is to get what's on the inside to the outside. We call that sanctification, to walk it out, to play it out, to see to it that we live lives that are considered holy before God. And of course, we have his help to do so. But God wants us to take a stand and don't let bitterness, the root of bitterness spring up and defile you. Notice it defiles a person, doesn't want that. You got to walk in holiness if you want to see the Lord because God is holy. What's our conclusion? I believe it's time for the church to rise up to be the church. It's time for the church to rise up and take a stand. To get to a place of, as Jesus was, setting your face like a flint to do what God wants us to do. To get to a place that we take a stand so that the fire of God can fall. I mean, we get to a place that when we gather together for church, we're not concerned about anything other than honoring God. Giving place to the manifestation of his glory and of his power. Loving him in such a way that he will manifest himself in waves of glory every time we gather together. And it's not just for the church. It's for the church. It's for every family. It's for our community. It is for our nation as well. God is not done. There is a work that needs to be done. And it's the church's responsibility to see to it that we have one hand on God and one hand on the nation. One hand on our government and believe that God can do what only he can do in turning things around. So that the fire of heaven can fall. You know what? I want to challenge all of us here tonight. I really do. You've heard me say this oftentimes in times past. But I want to reiterate it here today. We're facing an upcoming election here pretty soon. I want to challenge all of us. Get on your face before God. And truly from your heart. Ask him who do you want in the office of the presidency of the United States of America. Set aside any bias that we might have. Ask God, who's your man? Who do you want? Who can you work with? Who can you work through? How can you accomplish your will in this land? Who's that leader? We go to the Old Testament and even the days of uh, the apostles, and we see that there were unruly kings and leaders that were ungodly, but yet God used them to accomplish his will. No man is perfect, period. Beloved, it's time to take a stand for what is right. It's time to take a stand for biblical principles. It's time to take a stand for life. Time to take a stand so that the will of God can be done on earth among us. Set aside the bias. Set aside the differences. Set aside, for example, party preference. Set aside gender. None of that means set aside race, ethnicity. None of that matters. Jesus, who do you want? And my challenge is this. If he came right down here on earth right now and just said, that's who I want, would you be persuaded to vote that way? Beloved, as you can see what's happening in our world today, this is basically getting us to a place to where we can see the reality of a one world government. We can see the reality of a 666 mark of the beast. We can see that without the chip, you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't go into a store, you can't do this, you can't do that. We're going to see also on Sunday, if you take that mark of the beast because you want to eat, you want to drink, and you want to have something in life, gas you for your car, or whatever, you can't do that without the mark of the beast. Guess what? One of the vows that's going to be opened up, that person who took the mark of the beast, you either suffer One way or suffer another way. You take it. You suffer the wrath of God, and that vow that's opened up means head to toe, festering sores, excruciating pain that cannot be healed in any way. Imagine that. You say, "My goodness, would God do that?" That's His wrath being poured out, and that's the punishment for not accepting Him in the first place. Seven years of wrath will be upon the earth. It's not a fear tactic. It's reality. It's time to face reality we're heading in that direction the end of this age is at hand it's time to stand for what is right what is true and what is holy and that's what god is looking for from his people forget about all the entertainment let's be entertained by the king of kings and the lord of lords take your stand let us take our stand let's pray oh father you said in your word if my people that are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I would hear from heaven, I would forgive their sin, I would heal their land. We know that humility is the key. We know that repentance is the key. Not necessarily what we have done against you, but even the nation against you. And maybe what we have done by not doing what you have asked us to do in the first place, which is stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And so for that, Father, as a church, we repent. We believe you hear from heaven. We believe you forgive our sin, the sin of this nation, all that's been allowed to dishonor you, to dishonor your word in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We, the church, commit to rising up taking our place, doing our part, standing in the gap, making up the hedge, being mighty warriors for our king of kings and lord of lords on this earth to go beyond the natural, to pull back the curtain, to tap into the supernatural, to dispel the powers of darkness and believe for your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, we're coming before your throne We're believing together. We're thanking you together. And we all stand in agreement. That COVID-19. And the forces behind it. Are cursed. In the name of Jesus Christ. And that there is victory. And deliverance. For each and every individual. Help these healthcare workers to come up with. Whatever they need to come up with. To help along the way. We believe dear Father God. To see victory in every life. Now, Father, be glorified in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.